Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I've got visions in my head. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'm burn out. Hello, everyone. Welcome. I really need to start saying, hey, y'all, or howdy, y'all. Honest question. Do you think everyone would stop listening? The answer is probably yes. But I think it would really just, you know, sometimes life is about staying true to you. An example recently would be that I finally put an end to my relationship with my AirPods. I said, enough is enough. It is time to stop pretending that we like these things. And you know what I did? I marched myself over at LaGuardia, which is also, you know, hell on earth. And I bought myself some corded headphones and I haven't looked back since. So I don't know how I got on that. Oh, yes. Being true to yourself. And maybe I should start the episodes with howdy y'all. You know, let me know. I'm sure you guys always do. Whether I want to know or not, you guys always do. That is one thing I can count on. So maybe I will be changing my intro in 2022. Okay. Today's episode, I think is actually going to be you know, healing, for lack of a better word, we have the angel that is Molly Carmel on the show. And let me just tell you, it was like a spiritual experience. I adore this woman. We really clicked. I could have talked to her for, I kid you not, probably 12 hours straight. Would my voice have gone, you know, yes, my voice has gone every other day. What's new? Okay. But she was just an absolute angel. I will for sure have her back on the show if she's interested. I just absolutely loved her. And something that I really resonated with on her podcast, which is What You're Craving, it's also with Tier Media. We actually did a podcast swap. So when you guys are done with this episode, be sure to go check out the episode I did on her podcast and also her other episodes because they're just so good. But she had an entire episode called, it's something on the lines of like, you are doing your best or why you are doing your best. And I just thought, Wow, what a concept. I put so much pressure on myself, especially in the new year, while, you know, there's a lot of motivation and excitement and goal setting. And I love that. I can get really in my head and get really overwhelmed and put way too much pressure on myself and always feel like I'm not doing enough. And Molly is here today and she's here to tell us that that is not true and how we should handle that. And honestly, this episode is one that I will go back to and listen to constantly because it was just so helpful. I thought January would be the perfect time for this to release because I know if I'm dealing with this, if I've learned anything from the podcast or, you know, putting my life on the internet in the past eight years, it is that if I feel something, there is someone else out there that feels that way. 
in this time of year, while on one hand is very exciting, it is also extremely overwhelming and it's really easy to be crazy hard on yourself and expect like really unrealistic things. And so I just thought, you know, having her on the show was going to be incredible. We are talking about diet culture. We are talking about why you are doing your best, how to have, you know, the best relationship with food, your body, fitness, and just self-compassion in general. You guys are going to love this. You're going to love her. I'm really excited. So anyways, without further ado, let's welcome Molly on to the show. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Me too. This is going to be a great episode. I know. We've already been talking off camera, off recording, off mics, whatever you want to say. We have a lot to say. Happy January, everyone, at whatever point this is. It can be a little bit of a dangerous month. I would argue and say it is the most dangerous month. Well, listen, in my world, in my world of food, weight, loving yourself, like in my like therapy world and self-love world and spiritual world, I actually think it is the, the month of grooming. Yep. I think also they get us so vulnerable in November and December with like all this pushing of like, you know, do whatever you want, with, especially with food stuff. Yeah. And like they're grooming us that come January with all the launches and all the this and all the special this. And like, there's so much, I mean, the really kind of cool thing about it, I use cool in quotation marks, is there's so much research on it. There's so much research on this about this thing called intermittent reinforcement, where it's like, we feel so terrible. We feel so terrible. All of a sudden, diet culture is like, oh my God, I'm here to save you. And we are such beautiful suckers in this way, right? Because we just want to feel yeah. better. We're so demoralized, especially Jan 1, when we're like hungover, oh, bloated. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, save me. I mean, that's every abusive relationship, right? That's what intermittent reinforcement is, that moment in the relationship where they bring you flowers, but they say, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. And we say, yeah, you are. And then it's just like, I don't know. I don't know how it is for you. Back when I was in those moments, I mean, I don't think I could, by the end of it, I couldn't last more than 14 days. No way. Back into moralization. I'm actually, oddly enough, I'm a very extreme personality type. Like I'm a, not extreme, but I'm kind of an all in yeah, person. Yeah, me too. But I, which can be very tricky in a lot of ways. It can be very <laughs> unhealthy. But I just can't last. Like, I know that about myself. Mm. Like, if I do something food-wise, I think, and diet, look, if I, and especially if I don't like it, like, mm. I have to find the workouts that I like. It's just not going to last. And then it's this, like, really unhealthy spiral. And then you, I, like, should myself. And I'm like, oh, well, I should be doing this. I should be Ugh. working it. I should. It's, it's it just self-abuse. It really I mean, like, here's what I sort of wish. I wish we would start using this powerful language when we're talking about that. You know, people like don't shut yourself, which I love. Let me tell you something. I That's one of my favorite slogans around. But it's like, if you really go deeper into it, it's like, it's a, it's sort of like a, a cutting on yourself in some ways. I, I think we have to start taking this power that we have inside and how easily we give it away much more seriously. Like if I could just beg one thing of every human being listening to this podcast. It's like, can we be more thoughtful about how and where we place our energy? Because we're so susceptible. I mean, there's just billion dollar industries all around us just and making tons of money. You know, the other problem, the solution to it, it costs no money. True. It's not that marketable. Self-love. Yeah. It's not. We need very little coaching once we can get it. It's like all that, like the Buddha always says, like it's all inside. And we're always looking for these externals to try to fix our internals when it's like, I don't know, that's I'm such a fan of meditation. It's the oldest 
prescription that exists, right? And for me, like I started meditation. I don't know about you, but like everything I do is in desperation. Like I'm not like, gosh, I feel so good about myself. Everything is so great. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start meditating. Or I'm going to start working. Like it's always just like, I sort of hate myself. Nothing's going right. And I'm like, have this like little mini willingness to try something new. When I started meditation, I mean, this is what I love. Okay. One of my teachers, her name's Tara Brock. She's amazing. She's like a Buddhist psychologist. Do you know her? Oh, I love our generational differences. This is fabulous. We're both going to learn so much about yes. each other. She says, right, if you can't live at home, right, she calls like our body home, right? If you hate where you live, how would you ever want to come home? That made all the sense in the world to me. And when I first started meditating, I'm going to tell you the truth. Like it was violent, right? I would sit quietly with my thoughts and it was so gnarly, like, because I was at a real dark point of self-hate. But it was like so kind of like retrospectively the most important thing I ever did because now I'm not so scared of myself mm-hmm. and now I can sit with myself and now I can be more so imperfectly, but like notice like, oh my God, I'm giving my power to that person. Oh my God, I need to come home to myself. And the stuff that felt really esoteric to me in the beginning when people were, t- I think people talk about self-love in this way that seems really unattainable. And like, by the way, doesn't that make sense? Because then we're going to buy so many products. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. I love what you just said about coming home to yourself. I talk to friends all the time about like just therapy in general. Mm-hmm. And I am, I go to therapy every single week. I have gone. I love this about you. Well, thank you. I, it was court mandated in fifth grade. <laughs> so, you know, but I did take a break. I, when I moved to LA, I was 17 from 17 to probably 22. I wasn't in therapy. And those were some of my worst years. Like I had two very close deaths to me. I was just going through it. And I, I got to the point where I was afraid to go to therapy because I was like, there's so much that I know I need to deal with uh. that. It was overwhelming. And I hear that from friends all the time. They're like, I just don't want to deal with it. And then, and I've done it. And then they like self-medicate, whether it's their, you know, whatever it is. Some people use alcohol, drugs, sex, attention, anything, shopping, career, exactly, literally anything. And it becomes this really unhealthy cycle. And mine was 2020. I was like, okay, I'm finally, I'm back in Texas. I'm graduating college. I have more time. I'm going back. And it was the best thing I ever did for myself. But it does get to the point where it, it feels a lot more overwhelming than it actually ended up being for me. Hmm. But I think that's because, again, I'm a very all or nothing person. I can really catastrophize in my mind. So I made it out to be like, oh my God, I'm going to be crying 24 seven. I'm going to be so exhausted. I'm not going to be able to like contain it. And instead I was like, I'd rather like be in this box that I hate and go make myself busy and ignore it. And now I'm like, I'm so much more, I guess self-aware would maybe be the word, but I can tell when I'm about to kind of, something is either bothering me or I don't feel right about something or I don't like the relationship I have with something a lot better now than I could have two years ago. I couldn't even have explained to you my emotions two years ago and told you how I was feeling. But now I have a better grip on that. Well, I also think like we have to remember this, like we're really working against our brains so often. Like our brain is not created to feel pain. Like, right, like the brain's main function in life is to say, well, I don't want to feel this. So as we're evolving, we're like, oh wait, but also feeling it gets me through it. Like there's such like evolution there. And so like, I always say this when I'm talking about like the food and weight stuff, right. And how people are like in the depths of this binge eating or self-hate or self-harm. And it's like this well-worn snow groove. It's just literally this thing we've done over and over and over. And I, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's like just a bad habit. I think that's actually incredibly invalidating for people struggling, but there's something to say for the devil, you know, Right. Mm -hmm. And this happens to me all of the time. Like 
just like you, I'm like, oh, I don't need to. I mean, the two most dangerous things that I say personally are I'm fine and it's no big deal. Because I will guarantee you with every penny in my bank account, when I say those two things, I am neither fine and it is a a very big deal. Like, you know what I mean? And so I think this idea of really being cool with overriding some of this well-worn snow groove, like it's a survival mechanism, right? That you're like, nah, I'm fine. No, I don't need to go to therapy anymore. I've been there since the fifth grade. Me too, right? Where I'm like, no, 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 it's good. It's good. It's good. And having this like knowledge that maybe if I try something different, that will give me different results, I think is like imperative and being so, I think you talked about this on one of your podcasts, but just being super self-forgiving when I don't do it. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about self-compassion. Oh, that's all I ever want to talk about. So that's good. That is something I realized through therapy in the past year that I'm very bad at. I will give way too much grace to the people around me Mm. and I offer none of it myself, but I didn't notice it because I always thought like, oh, I'm passionate because I like myself. Like I am, I can be proud of myself. I don't look at myself in the mirror and hate myself. It, it wasn't as obvious, I think, mm-hmm. but I expect so much out of myself to the point where like, I would never expect a friend to do this, achieve this. None of that. Like I'm an Enneagram three, if you know anything about that, the overachiever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for myself, I was, I'm just very hard on myself and I expect myself to not mess up. Like I'm a perfectionist. But I didn't realize that I was because like, for example, if I am turning something in like a paper or if I have a video due or something like that, my videos, it doesn't have to be perfect in quotes. So I thought because like my work wasn't like the best thing you've ever seen, I wasn't a perfectionist. And then I realized that's actually not really what perfectionism is. It was just, you know, actually having to do everything. And this has to, I have to feel perfect in relationships I've dated people where they expected they could be totally off and I had to be this like perfect person. And the second that I showed any sort of like maybe flaw or like emotion, I think it reinforced that idea. And so it took so long for me to realize that I have no self-compassion or I had no self-compassion and as a perfectionist. So like, how do you do that? Well, first of all, I think we're all just working on it, right? Like, yeah. I just think like, there, there's no, I mean, listen, I mean, perfectionism is the greatest con around, period. Ex- there is the greatest con, right? I was once in treatment and the therapist said to me, hey, do you want to know how to live a very miserable life? And she said, you know, be a perfectionist. Like it will never, ever, ever be good enough. Like that's the truth of it. Yeah. I am looking always at perfectionism as a fear response. Right. It's yeah. it's this scared space of not getting what we want, of losing what we have. And again, it's this very familiar, well-worn snow groove that we can get, you know, like just some mental chatter around and then we don't have to maybe level up. We don't, you know, if you're like, have you read The Big Leap? Mm-mm. Oh God, can you I just... I'm a huge reader, so I need I, to. Yeah, I would put that on your book list. Okay. It's the most simplistic perfect, clear book about sabotaging ourselves. Okay. And it talks so much about being like kind of scared to level up. And again, sabotage is a fear response. Like it's all us being so scared of what we don't know. I think that's really normal. So this idea of self-compassion, at least as, you know, sort of I see it and I deal with it in therapy, in my own therapy and my therapy with others, it feels like then we make this really weird math equation up. Like, well, if I'm nice to myself, then I'm not going to do anything. And I think it's just the the silliest thing on earth. Like I believe wholeheartedly in my training, in my training as a therapist, in my training as a shaman, in my training as a spiritual person, like 
everything is in us, right? So there would be this idea that you would say to yourself, well, you know, if, if I don't push myself to do that two more hours of work and do that one more podcast, well, then I'm never going to get it done. This idea that if I'm kind to myself, I'll lose my edge or something like that. It's contrary to the idea that we have internal wisdom. And what I always say all the time, especially with people who are dealing with like all this diet drama and diet trauma, our wisdom's in the ICU. I mean, literally our wisdom, our internal wisdom is in the ICU because we've been going against it so often. This happened to me the other day. I was here and I was supposed to, was with my girlfriends from college. I was so exhausted, like you. I had worked too much, had said yes when I meant no. I was really like, I was on, I was on fumes. And our, our, one of our best friends was in from Florida. I hadn't seen her for five years. And my first thought was, it's okay, I'll push through. And I thank God because of repetition is its own form of prayer. Repetition really does rewire the mind. I just had this momentary thought that said, are you really going to do that? I love her. I love my friend Cindy. But is, is Cindy like more important than you in this moment? Like, can you take a beat because it was all that FOMO and it was all that people pleasing and it was all that kind of part of me that doesn't love me enough and needs to get my love and appreciation and acceptance from other people. That's, by the way, you know, the greatest drug of all. People are the greatest drug of all. External validation, which, you know, this internet and all of it. Yeah. I sound like the oldest lady on earth. <laughs> I love the internet, but you know what I'm saying. But like, you know, and I had to do this and it was hard. Like, I don't want to say like, and then I decided not to go to the dinner. Like, and that was easy. It was so hard. But I think we have these moments of internal wisdom of our, uh, at least for me, it's, it's becomes a scream at some point. And I say to it like, nah, it's okay. Come on. We can push through. It's like, and what you're saying is so relevant. Like I would stand in front of a bus before I'd let my best friend do that. I would say, what are you doing? You know, and somehow it becomes acceptable for me. I think you know, I've been a therapist a really long time and I'm a behaviorist by trade and I'm a behaviorist by trade, which there's plenty of analysis and all of that, but action is just the quickest way to get well. And for me, and I'm sure for you, I don't actually know that, but for me, like I had to try it. It was some of the scariest stuff I ever did in my entire life was put myself first. And I remember when I was recovering from my eating disorder and I was going out to dinner with another really good friend of mine. And we always like split sushi. You know what I mean? We just order like all the sushi and we'd like eat it and we'd split it and we'd like drink it. Like, and I had this knowing that I had to order my own sushi. Like I wasn't going to be able to split anymore so I could get healthy. And I had the story in my head, you know, the story we tell, right? I was like, gosh, Michelle's never going to want to be friends with me again. Like it's going to be over. Or we're going to be broken up, mm -hmm. you know? And it's funny because I also think this piece of people pleasing, which I think effectively is what we're talking about, right? We yeah. can't be self-compassionate because we're prioritizing other people over our own needs. I actually think it sells people short in a big way, right? Because can you imagine if Michelle, if I went to the dinner, I was like, hey, so I'm pretty sure you're not going to want to be friends with me anymore because I want to order my own sushi. But there was a story going on in my head. And what the most fascinating part of that story, in my opinion, is that Michelle will tell you, this is like 15 years ago, Michelle will tell you, it was the first moment she knew that I was going to heal from my eating disorder because yeah. I was finally prioritizing myself. Yeah. So I had the whole game wrong. And I would propose that to anybody listening. Maybe you have the whole game wrong. It is the new year. Uh, so many of us are like, new year, new me. Okay, guys. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Just wanting to start fresh, develop some healthy habits. And that is why I think BetterHelp couldn't come at a better time. Get it? 
better, you know? Especially with this episode with Molly, who is, by the way, an angel. It is incredibly important to get into therapy. I cannot stress that enough. I know we talk about it all the time on the podcast. I love BetterHelp. They're a longtime sponsor, and I just love that you guys are loving them so much because I know how much of a great impact therapy can make on your life. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It is not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. Send a message to your counselor at any time and you will get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. And this is all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room again. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can find the particular expertise you need online. Don't limit yourself to the counselors that are located near you. They have licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem. So anything you share is confidential. It is convenient. It is professional. And it is affordable. You can check out the testimonials posted daily on their site. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp. They're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. If you have tried counseling before and just felt like it wasn't for you, I would really recommend trying out a different counselor and BetterHelp makes that really easy. You know, in anything, like the right friend is great. The right partner is important, okay? And the right counselor for you is also important. So definitely shop. Don't limit yourself to just one person. Check them out on BetterHelp, okay? I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you will get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash Kinsey. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that is betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Kinsey. Hi, it's your friend, Alexandra Potora. I don't know if you're ready for this, but if you are, take a listen to Backbone, Not Wishbone, a podcast about business, career, money, and of course, wellness, because what good is success if we're a bunch of fucking wrecks, right? I'm sharing the most granular and specific tips and tactics for success in business and achieving wellness. So come to Backbone, Not Wishbone, let's connect and let's succeed together. I do that all the time. I will make up a scenario to which someone's going to respond. Like, let's say I need to have some sort of like confrontation, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll go in, have the conversation. But in my head, I've gotten better on this because I'm currently working on it. But instead, I'm trying not to make up this big scenario of how they're going to respond, how it's going to be World War III and they're going to hate me and I'm going to lose all my friends. And that's just... Honestly, more often, it's been very, very rare when I look back at situations where I've made this stuff up in my head. Mm -hmm. I think it's actually gone south maybe one time. Like, for the most part, it actually doesn't come true because I just made it up in my head. Yeah. So, and then the time that it went south, it was like, you know, it's it's not really for me. I think in my own experience, just, you know, I'm recovering from an eating disorder, recovering from an alcohol disorder, like so grateful, lots and lots of time not doing that. I think this idea, like me bringing in faith was probably the most important thing that ever happened to me. Of course, because I'm like you go big or go home. Like I didn't just bring in faith. I became this kind of healer, that kind of, which is sort of how I'm made too in the best way. And I think, again, it's like our assets are our defects, right? They're the same thing. Just got to work them right. But what I always think about is like never in that time, do I give anybody or anything the benefit of the doubt? Never in my, and it's still, by the way, it's like the brain is a really 
it's really not evolved with us. So again, like the only reason you're thinking it isn't going to go well is like the negativity bias. Your brain's like, hey, let's just make sure that we have all these bases covered. And your brain's not really made to say, hey, everyone loves you and you're amazing and it's going to be okay. It's just, that's why we have to really like overwrite it. And why all of these practices, you talk about them on my show. I talk about them on my show, on your show. I talk about them on my show. Like they're so essential, but I, I always think of this thing, right? Which is, and I don't say faith in a religious way by any means. I just say it in an action step, right? Like fear and faith actually are rooted in the same exact idea that we have no idea what's going to happen, right? So there would be no reason. And there's actually tons of data on this too. There's tons of data on self-affirmation, positive thinking, positive psychology. It just takes some work and some action. And I would say some self-compassion and self-forgiveness in order to move into the space of self-compassion. I really always align forgiveness and compassion. They're the same thing to me. They're all kind of acceptance, forgiveness, compassion, and there's, it's so easy. There's so many strings to pull. It's not easy, but there's so many strings you can pull to get started, right? Because the beauty of it all is if I can start to forgive others, I can start to forgive myself. Gosh, when I was in the depths of it all, I didn't even know why that was important. I was so deep and I couldn't see straight in hating myself, right? But I don't know if you were like this, like, but I also was like the, a victim of my life. Like, I just believe like everything, everything was happening to me. Why was my life so terrible? Why did I get this hand dealt? And part of shifting that belief system, I think was imperative to me, like imperative to me, like really saying like, seeing like, oh, I'm making choices. And I think also like, more biologically, I think, you know, overcoming addiction was a really important piece of it because my brain chemistry was so hijacked that there was just no possibility that I could. I I think there's this huge, I don't know if you've heard this phrase. I love this phrase, which is called the spiritual bypass, which is, yeah, people just saying like, hey, like all is good. And I'm sort of like, all isn't good. Like a lot of times it is, a lot of times it isn't. Pain is always a motivator of growth. So it's like, if you're in pain, you know, like, that's really the only time we want, I'm sure for you, it wasn't, again, like it wasn't like in 2020, you were like, I mean, I would say this about me, like when people call me, you know, everyone's not like, hey, Molly, like my life's amazing. Yeah, Can no, we have a I session? rock bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Pain's the touchstone of all growth. Yeah. I mean, that's the point. So, you know, I think this idea of self-compassion, like, it's a process. Like, can we just sell, uh, sell that? Like, it's not, it doesn't happen one, two, three. It happens sometimes gradually. And sometimes you take five steps forward on it. And sometimes you take three steps back. But this idea of being able to repair a relationship with yourself, like I believe wholeheartedly, and I had to learn this. I wasn't raised with this. I, none of my life supports it. But in the second part of, or this, you know, second quarter of my life, like, I got to learn these new lessons about things being reparable, my own self-forgiveness, people forgiving me, me forgiving others. Like, and that was all action. Like, yeah, did I read books and go to some therapy and have some programs and whatever, but it was really like in the field. It's very much what you're saying. Like when you have this thought, like, oh my God, I'm just not prioritizing myself at all. Like, I don't know that you can think your way better there. <laughs> I think you just have to take these brave risks and say, Hey, you know what? Th- th- that's too many podcasts on the list today. I can't do that. And it's so scary. The reason I feel like the people pleasing is such an addiction is because of the, like, I don't know about you, but like when I was first working on it, I would literally have like a physical reaction 
when I would say no to something. Yeah. Do you know? I, I had to cancel something this week that had already been canceled before. So I don't know why I had to cancel it, but <laughs> I felt so like guilty doing it. And I was looking at my calendar. I'm like, I cannot do that. This I'm so busy this week. I cannot do that. I know this one thing will not be good for me. And I canceled and I like, to th- I still feel so bad about it. Mm. But I, and I never cancel things. I normally won't even get to the point where I have but like, to cancel. Maybe that's not okay. No, but I, now what I do, <laughs> I started my Google calendar. This is my way of not burning out anymore. I color coded my Google calendar. So there's too much of one color. I know I can't do it anymore. And I, what happened was because it's a different time zone, it got kind of confusing and mm-hmm. whatever mixed up. And then I was like, oh my God, I actually have to, because I hate canceling. So I would rather not commit before because that's how much I hate canceling. Because but I don't I, think that's good either. I don't mean to like be the therapist no, for a please second. Do. Please do. <laughs> I so, but like, why? Like, I just remember yeah. my friend Rob, right? Like I used to be exactly like this. Like I was like, I'm I'm going to be good to my word. And my, it's like, first of all, at what cost? Like at what cost am I good to my word? But if we're talking about forgiveness and self-compassion, I always remember the story yeah. that I was always like, you know, I'll be on time and, blah, 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 and I'm going to say yes. And, and it was all rooted so much. For me, it was rooted completely and entirely in self-hate. Like, I will yeah. tell you that across the board, that I I needed, my actions needed to be good so that people would think I'm good so that maybe I could believe I'm good. And none of that is true. Like, mm-hmm. you are doing your best in every single moment, period, exclamation point. We are all doing our best. Sometimes we need to try a little bit harder, but oh my gosh, what a beautiful belief. And I remember it was right when I was recovering from my eating disorder in the beginning and my friend said, can we have dinner at nine o'clock? And at that point in my life, that was just, I couldn't do it. It was the first, one of the other first times I prioritized myself. And I called him and I said, you know what? Nine o'clock is not a viable option. I really need to finish eating by seven. And he said to me, oh my God, I am so glad you're canceling. Being friends with you is so hard because I never feel like I can screw up. And I had the whole game wrong. I just want to say that to everybody. Like, what if you have the whole game wrong? Like, yeah. Part of becoming a compassionate person. And like, I don't know, don't we just have, especially where you are in that seat with so many people knowing you, like, isn't there a responsibility to just chill and say like, yeah, I fucked it up. I can't go. And then that gives other people this ability to like but say- they can breathe. Yeah. That we can make mistakes. I mean, talk about this cancel culture. Like oh everybody's like, I mean, talk and your endocrine system suffering, you know, like all the cortisol, like whatever, like nobody can even make a false move. Like it's not good. And there's this piece of like, yeah, like maybe you need to cancel. Okay. Us not canceling. I think my opinion, tell me what you think. Me not canceling things is primary emotion fear. Yeah. I mean, I really don't cancel. And in general, it's always putting someone else before me. I realized that I had been ignoring myself for so many years, but mm-hmm. I had put everyone else before me. Whether And not even just everyone else, like my career, oh, everything totally. in my life came before but me. But not in a faithful way, right? No, not in a healthy way. You're like, I'm going to try to control it. It's, it's all out of control. Yeah, no faith in that. No faith in that no. at all. And I was overdoing everything. And I was just saying yes. And I'm like, well, I'm here. I'm going to push through. I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I know. Because at the end of the day, like, I know I can do it, but it doesn't mean I should do it. Totally. It doesn't mean it's like my best, healthiest option. And it's 100% out of fear. So anytime I'm talking like in a public way, I always bring like my really sickest self with me. Like, and I tap into her because I've healed so much that I, I sort of lose faith, lose sight of who I am. And there's this part of my like people pleasing type A personality is like, yeah, but you're going to lose everything. Does that mean I just lay around on the couch? And there's just like, that's, this is the, 
the polarization of what's going on with all of us right now. Like the answer is never the opposite. It's always the balance. And there's this great adage, you know, in faith, I just use the word love, like God, whatever, higher power, divinity, love, right? It's like love steers and we row, right? And if we try to steer, we go nowhere. But we can like, we can row like MF, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we can row and we can row. But if we ever like, that's what I feel like a lot of times, like I'm trying to steer and I'm not listening to this like inner self. You know, I've been an eating disorder therapist for like over 20 years now, which I, you know, is just insane because I feel like your age, but you know, here I am. And I have listened to people's self-harming episodes with food for my whole life. And I will tell you that 98% of them at the root is saying yes when you mean no, saying no when you mean yes, pushing yourself past what your inner voice is saying. Like there is a cost to this perfectionism. There is a cost to this hustle and this grind. The other piece of it is we're doing it in the spirit of thinking it's going to complete us and then we still feel empty. And that's addiction. Yeah. (laughs) Period. It is January, and that means that Redeeming Love is in theaters this month. So if you are a fan of romantic comedies and love films with beautiful cinematography, then you are going to love Redeeming Love in theaters January 2022. Based on the international best-selling novel by Francine Rivers, the movie takes place during the California gold rush of 1850 and follows the life of Angel, who was the most notoriously sought-after woman in the Sierra Nevada foothills town of paradise. Right as she was about to give up on finding freedom, Angel meets Michael and encounters a love that's unlike anything she has ever experienced. But shame of her past causes Angel to run away from the very thing she has always wanted— As Michael sets out to find her, Angel discovers that there is no brokenness that love can't heal. Redeeming Love, featuring Abigail Cohen, Tom Lewis, Nina Dobrev, Eric Dane, and Famke Janssen, is rated PG-13 and premieres January 21st in theaters nationwide. So bring a friend or even your significant other to see Redeeming Love. For more information or to find tickets to a theater near you, visit redeeminglovemovie.com. That is redeeminglovemovie.com. I didn't even realize how unfulfilled and how unhappy I was with the, like, I don't even want to say life I created because it was literally just a career I created. That was it. Like, I didn't have a life outside of it. And I had nothing, like, I I don't know. I had, like, no actual life to show for it. I didn't have, like, the relationships Mm -hmm. in the way that I wanted them. I've had most of the same friends, like, majority of my life. But our friendships looked very different at that time. I was just a very different person. I feel like I was so... I was coping by overworking myself. Yeah. And that was like my addiction. Workaholism is like the most appreciated of the addictions, and right? it's like, it's everywhere. Like you don't even realize how unhealthy like hustle culture gets. It, this is a very new concept of finding your identity in your job. A hundred years ago, that really wasn't a thing. Like now that is all the first thing when you're out, it's like, oh, what do you what do? What do you do? Always. And I'm like, that is, if what I do is, that should be the least interesting thing about me. I love that. It really should. I'm like, there's a lot more to talk about. I'm so here for that. Yeah. And living in Texas, it's been so great. And we both have really interesting jobs. Exactly. I'm like, I have a pretty cool job actually, but I just don't want to talk about it. I'm like, there's more to life. But I was so wrapped up in that. And again, like 
your episode we were talking about earlier, like you are doing your best. I still struggle with it. I've gotten so much better, but with feeling like there's always something else I need to be doing, especially working in digital, everything's changing. It is like a numbers game to however much you want it to be. You can always be doing more like in life. You can in quotes, like always be doing but you more. you have to get that as the con. Yes. And that in itself has been, I think my biggest struggle and always feeling like it's so crazy. I will have people come to me and they're like, oh my God, like I'm feeling this way and I want to be doing what you're doing. And then it's like, I feel like I'm not doing enough. Like I'll look at the next person and it's a never ending cycle of everyone kind of feeling that way or not showing fully how they're, where they're actually at. You know what we're forgetting, right? And again, I I don't mean to be such like a little nerdy scientist and yet I'm just like a nerdy scientist. So there is actually so much data on the necessity of joy. Okay, I want to hear this. Not the optionality of joy. Let me make that clear. But the necessity of joy, of play, of imagination in order to really feel complete. In eating disorders, and this will make sense, right? It's like, what am I feeding? It's like there is such a lack of nourishment and nurturing from creativity and joy. I love like this part of you where you're like, always like to the extent that I know you on social media, right? Like uh, you're at concerts and you're this and you're being with your friends. And it's like, I think you want, it seems like you understand that to Mm -hmm. some extent, right? But those of us who are single-minded towards like the career, the career, the career, if you feel like, oh, something might be missing, I'm going to guarantee it's joy. It's not a luxury. The data says very clearly, like there's a great book. I mean, this is probably one of the most read and revered book and it's called The Artist's Way. And it talks about how to cultivate your inner artist, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a podcaster, whether you're a therapist, it talks about finding that passion inside of yourself. And she talks about in this book, Julia Cameron's great book. It's like beyond the test of time. She talks about in this book that like our creativity, our soul is like a koi pond. And every time we're sitting here and we're having all these ideas or we're writing a post or we're doing something, you take the fish out of the koi pond. Koi ponds don't self-create. You have to go to the koi pond and you got to put more fish into the pond. And sometimes we're so into hustle and being enough and looking as good as the next person and wanting what they have and all of this that we totally forget that we have to like find our own fish to get back into the pond. And like, I see this in my own life. I see this in the life of like my younger patients, just scrolling and looking for the solution in TikTok, mm-hmm. you know, looking for the thing that's going to fill you there. Like it's not. And one of the things she does, which I love, I do this every week of my life. She says, you need to take yourself out on like an artist date, which means that you decide by yourself, well, with your inner artist, right? You just go do something you're interested in, whether that's like watching a cartoon, going to an art show, going to, and you go by yourself. And that's how you bring the fish into the pond. So, you know, when I say this to people that I'm hanging with, I think they always look at me cockeyed. Like, I can't stop hurting myself with food. Like I'm miserable in my life. Like, why are you telling me to go watch a sunset? And I think that's the problem with it because the immediacy of diet culture and promising 30 pounds off or getting the like or whatever it is like that immediacy unless we start to see it for what it is and start to say oh and I feel this way on on all social media don't you like it's so draining when I'm really looking for my soul in it I'm exhausted by the end of it because I found nothing or I just need more right and and I think that's a piece of it is like if we're ever to feel whole and complete and self-compassionate and really believe we're doing our best there's a part of it where you got to tap in and see what you need. And that requires like silence, like 
these devices, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm everybody's mother right now. I mean, but I love you and maybe, you know, that's my vibe. It's like godmother vibes, but like, I just think there's this, we have to be able to hop the system. I mean, there's no better data than, and I'm like, I think it's really useful too. Like I've, I've been able to help exponential amounts of people as a function of social media, but I think we also have to see it for what it is and then really understand the places in which we can enrich and nourish and nurture ourselves that works for us, not against us, right? Because we're really habituated now in our like fast moving cancel culture to just go get the quickest thing that's being sold to us at the cheapest price. And I don't think the soul works that way. Yeah. Like I just don't. I think silence is something that can be so scary, Mm. but it's so necessary it's so necessary. You know who says that? Like, it's not even us. It's like, literally, like, if you just go back to the beginning of time, like mm-hmm. this, these, these lessons, like, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, I don't know. How, do you meditate at all? I need to. And <laughs> I've been saying that I was Be going gentle. to bring that up. Listen, we're doing the best we can, Kenzie. <laughs> but I will say, like, when I wake up in the morning, I'm not, I don't get on my phone for a long period of time, which is so weird. And you know what's even crazier? I'm either like a 75 year old woman or I'm 17. There's really no in between. <laughs> I will have read a hundred books this year. Like I wow. read all the time. How do you do it? My Kindle. Oh, it okay. really has changed my life. But at night I read every single night huh. and I get off my phone. It's the only thing that gets me off my phone is like reading and cooking. That's why I love both of those. Mm-hmm. But it really helps me wind down. And so I'm not on my phone the last probably like two or three hours of the night. Wow. And I'm not on it immediately when I wake up in just doing those two things, which honestly wasn't intentional. It just kind of happened. And then the morning, I mean, well, that was intentional. It helped me so much, especially at night. Cause that's when you're, I think when you're scrolling and you're like, Oh, overthinking maybe situations or comparing yourself or whatever it is, just those two things alone have helped me so much. And then I realized, Oh my God, I'm literally never in silence ever. Mm. And then as it's gone on, I like crave it so much more. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. They always say the first thing you do in the morning is the thing you're going to pray to all day. Wow. Just to ruin everyone's life. Yeah, actually. I'm like, well, that's encouraging everyone. <laughs> you're nailing it right yeah. now. But that's very true. Right? So like, so basically like your religion now is your phone. Like what you're saying is I wake up, I do so, whatever you do, mm-hmm. even just the silence of waking up without just first saying like, oh, wh- you know, what does everybody think of me? How many likes did I get? Or just like, what's the news? Like, I don't even want the news to be yeah, I don't want my religion I, when I wake up in the morning. Right? So I, I think it's like, Gosh, you're so, how different do you feel year over year from this? Like night and day. Mm -hmm. And I feel a lot more in control of my own emotions. And again, I think a lot of this has to do with me living in Texas versus living in LA because my environments and the two cities are totally different. The intensity of that environment in LA. Even like just having like the friends that I have in Texas, it's just a totally different world. But it's made me a much happier person. Who I was and where I was at a year ago, I had just gotten out of like a huge breakup. Mm -hmm. I was very miserable. I was isolating myself. Granted, we were in a pandemic, but (laughs) I was just like so unhappy. All I really cared about, there were so many other things besides the breakup. What made you brave enough to change it? I know it's your podcast, but I'm so curious. We've been, we actually were talking about this recently. I don't know if it was like I was brave enough to change it as much as there was no other option. Like my best friend yes, had come was. to say. Okay, fair. But <laughs> so many people stay miserable. I think this is yeah. like, I think you're actually really undercutting this. But I'm also, I am naturally just like a go-getter. No. And so when that That's happened. That's your wisdom. 
Thank you. Tell your, no, these people are listening to you. You are able to tap into your wisdom. Like that's the thing. We all have this little voice inside of us. It's a whisper to many that we can override. And what I think probably as a function of what you've experienced Mm -hmm. in your life, you can hear it a little bit more and you have some behavioral points where you say, oh, you know what? When I listened to that voice, it got better. So I'm going to do this really hard thing right now. I want to tell you something. There are, I would say 90% of the world would have just stayed miserable. It's just not an option for you as Mm -hmm. I am, as I'm starting to understand you. And if you want to go do something today, just go celebrate yourself that you're that way. Like step into that power. Like if, if it were me, because that's the thing you, you heard that whisper. We all hear that whisper. Some of us don't know it because everything else is so loud and so big. And if you're in like the midst of an eating disorder, that thing is so loud, you can't hear anything, right? Because that's yeah. just the thing. Oh, you're not enough. And da-da, you got to do more and you should eat this and you shouldn't eat that. I mean, food noise, there's very few things as loud as food noise. Opiate noise is that loud. Alcohol noise is that loud, whatever. But I think there's always this whisper inside of us. Every religion, my therapy training calls it the wise mind. I love that one. It's that sort of inside, that untapped inside of you. That's like, you got to move. Yeah. You listen to that. That's crazy. It was not an overnight process. No, nothing is. But I think this is what the world thinks. Like, yeah, that we're like, move. And we're like, okay, I'm going. It's like, and then you feel better. And it's just not <laughs> it's the like, case. That's crazy. Yeah. If I could sell anything, it's like, oh my God. And then I think I might, and then I don't, and then I have to ask two people. And you know, it's like, it just takes a minute. Life takes a minute. It, it's all a process. I think, so I think about that time to now and I was 23 and that was like my most confusing year of my entire life because up until that point, I mean, I'm so young. Like, why do I think I know things? This guy and I were very, very serious. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I knew what my life was going to be. I thought I knew what was going to happen. I thought I knew what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And it turns out me now, that is the last thing I'd ever want in my entire life. <laughs> but I really thought I wanted that at I the time. Know. If I had gotten everything I wanted, I would have been so miserable yes, right I say now. That all the time. Oh. Like, that is the greatest I thing know. to ever happen to I me. I was like, thank God he broke up with me. Like, yes. would, like retrospect, but our society is so quick that we don't even take a minute to think of like, oh, in five years, how will I feel? In five years, if I'm still in this codependent, like giving him everything that I have, like who am I going to be, right? I always have this thing like, you can do everything, but you can't do everything well, right? Like that's just the truth of it. When you say yes to something, you say no to something else. But the immediacy of our culture just makes that so easy to not support. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy. And now that you're saying this, I can think to certain friends because I've always, I'm a lot like my dad and my dad is very like solutions. He reads all the time, podcast, like we're very similar. And so anytime I come to him with an issue, he has given me very like almost like tangible, practical tips to get better, whatever it is. So uh, I think about that all the time where I don't feel like I fully connect with certain people just because I'm like, I would never stay in that Mm. situation or like really good friends of mine. I'm like, I can tell you exactly what's going on. Not that I'm any better. I'm like, I can only even say that because that's where I was a month ago, you know, or like I'll be there next month or whatever. But it would never even cross my mind to stay that way. I just don't I just relate feel to like, it. you know, as your therapist on this podcast <laughs> right now, like, I feel like you need a piece of paper. Like you need to write, that is your greatest strength is that resiliency. Most Thank people you. don't have that. I'm not saying it to be nice. I'm just saying yeah. it to be accurate. Like, honestly, like, and for those of you listening, like you can get that, like that is a, you can acquire that skill, but it takes 
you know, taking these like leaps of faith. I always remember I had this patient and he would be like, and he was deep in an eating disorder, right? And like, and really hardcore binge eating disorder. And I would talk to him about like, maybe not eating at night, you know, like maybe we could just try to do something at night that isn't trying to kill himself with food. And he would just say this thing to me over and over again. He'd say, Molly, I just need to jump off the cliff. I just need to jump off the cliff. And I was like, Richard, what if it's a sidewalk and we're sitting here thinking it's a cliff? And I think that that's true. I think, you know, again, the brain is not made to feel pain. It's going to do whatever it can to get negativity, to have us like feel quote unquote safe, which is safe is small. And I think many of us, you know, especially after COVID, like want to big live like big, beautiful lives that is like, we're entitled to like, go live a big, wonderful life. But it might require that you have to take these risks. And the brain is like, you're going to die if you do this but we're not, is exactly what you're saying. Like your life, it sounds like is significantly better having listened to that wisdom inside of mm -hmm. you, moved back to Texas, like gone back to therapy, doing all these things that are, you know, they're not quick, they're not easy, but I don't know anything in this lifetime that's quick and easy and long-term and makes me feel connected and whole. Yeah. The only things are things I've earned, hard things I've done. That's really made me know who I am as a person. And I come as like a suicidal, self-hating, eating disordered person. Like I had a, I had a lot, I, I don't, I didn't have a shot. Like I'm like you, like I'm, I'm not supposed to be like sitting here as this like expert on your show, but I think there were just these moments, you know, I call them like grow or die moments, right? These G like God, like grow or die mm -hmm. where I was like, I just was offered these two paths. One was super hard and so uncertain. The other one was super easy, would keep me miserable. And I know that really well. And every time I took that hard one, not it turned out great, blah, 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 blah. It's not about that. It's actually about, I was like, oh, wait, I am stronger than I know. Like, oh, wait, I can withstand this. Like, oh, wait, like, and that's the whole point. It's like, it's about like this, my insides. So I don't have to be so vulnerable to like everyone else's outside and especially with social media, like, gosh, never more, never a time to be more vulnerable to what everybody's putting up there, making it look like, like I'm sitting on a couch a lot of the time with really like, you know, well-known or whatever. people like just seeing like, wow, money ain't solving anything. Fame ain't solving anything. And still I'm on Instagram being like, well, maybe <laughs> yeah. I should get this thing for belly fat, you know, like we're all just, yeah. and then I'm forgiving about it. Like I giggle about it. Like, I'm like, oh my God, you're this eating disorder therapist about to buy a program for belly fat. And I'm just like, okay, what's going on with me? Like, okay, I'm feeling more, I'm feeling so like, but it takes work. Yeah. It's so worth it though, isn't it? Yes. I can look back at certain things in my life that have been some of the hardest things I've gone through or even like people that I've lost in my life, like, like relationships, whatever. And I'm always so grateful for it after, like not in the time, never in the time, never in the time. But with the last one, I last breakup, I was just like, I know I'm going to be grateful for this like day one. And I wasn't like gaslighting myself no, until like, makes not me want to cry. I'm so with you. And I was like, I know one day I'll be grateful for it. And I would have never imagined how much better my life would have gotten and how like how I'm the happiest I've ever been in my entire mm. life. And so I would not even be anywhere near what I am or who I am now had that not left my life. Yeah. And that was the best thing to happen to me. I just had a pretty miserable breakup too. It was that kind of darkness where, and, and again, like I've mm -hmm. done all this work, right? And I was like, 
I'm not sure I'm ever going to feel better. Like I, like, yeah. and I want to say like, and I've been through all the, all the waves of terribleness. And I was like, I don't even know if I'm ever going to feel better. And I remember this piece where like one of my spiritual advisors who I talk to almost every day and she'd be like, well, did you make a gratitude list? And did you do this? And did you do And I'm like, listen, I did all of that. I'm just really sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and I just need for you to sit with me, like while I'm really sad. I have come out and I, again, like, of course I came out of it and I feel so different. It was so dark though. I am such a more compassionate person to other people's struggles. I feel so whole. Like I've never felt, I'm I'm in like my forties now. Like, you know, I just don't think the work ever ends if you don't want it to. I feel so whole. I feel like my choices would be different. Like it's so amazing. Like when you can really just sit in like with what is like, and I'm going to tell you something for the first time in my life, honestly, Kenzie, with that breakup, I didn't think there was going to be a lesson. Like I, I really, and still, but again, like behavior will override thought every single day. I still did all the things. Like I just kind of like tricked myself into believing like, okay, like you don't think it's going to change. Just go do all the things just in case it changes. And I was like very committed. And like, I am, I was just sitting where you're talking, like wanting to cry. Like, I'm like, wow, I'm totally different from that in the best ways yes. possible. Yeah. But again, like grow or die. That's what you're a grow or die girl. Yes. There's no other option no, for I, me. I was listening to a podcast on the way here and it was Ed Milet with Barbara Cochran. From oh yeah. That's okay. why Shark Tank. Yes. So I'm she, so glad she's coming to our podcast today. <laughs> yes, she, here she is. She was talking about her childhood and Ed was just pointing out like, you know, she didn't come from money. She had 10 siblings and no money, like all this really hard life stuff. And she was like, honestly, I'm so grateful for that. Like, I don't know, her perspective on it just really opened my mind. And she was like, I wouldn't be the person that I am. I wouldn't have the empathy. I wouldn't have any of these skills that have gotten me to where I am. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking about, my own life. And I'm like, I'm actually, while at the time, like growing up tumultuous childhood, home life, whatever. Now I'm like, I am who I am because of that. They're like, I'm so grateful that I have empathy. I'm so grateful that I can connect with people in a certain way that I don't think I would have ever been able to had that stuff not happened. Yeah. But it was just shifting your perspective and mindset. And that again, like I am 24 and that went on from like fifth grade on like that was not no, an overnight I, thing and like life is such a disease of perception mm-hmm. like I, it's so funny like the thing I really also want to say to people is like if you're really struggling with this like there's this body piece of it like there's this body like getting your whole mind body and spirit involved in belief is like so important like the mind is always going to fight I got trained in this amazing it's so funny like tangentially, like in this, my friend, Patricia Moreno, she started this spiritual fitness called Intensati. And basically you do these like mantras while you're moving your body. So you're like, I am stronger than I think. I am braver than I seem. I have all that I need. Like, you're just saying this while you're moving your body in this class. And I thought it was such crap because that's always what I think about everything, especially <laughs> the things that make me better. I'm like, nah, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. I don't need that. I wanted yeah. to be friends. Speaking of people losing, I wanted to be friends with her so badly that I was like, all right, I'll go to her class. And by the way, I'm weeping while I'm, mm-hmm. while I'm punching and while I'm saying I'm a warrior, I'm stronger than I think. And I always think about that, which is like, thinking things in our head is just not that useful. You know, like this self-affirming mantra stuff, which is like one, again, one of the oldest things of all time, like really coming into it and like using your voice. And like the thing about gratitude 
it's again, like, it's a great prescription. Like I have this friend and she's just like, when I can't think of anything to be grateful for, I'm just grateful for my toenails. Cause we, we can get so stuck in compare and despair Mm -hmm. and we can get so stuck. I can too. And thinking like this life I have is like a total piece of shit. And all it takes is just this quick shift. Like, and it's the same life and I can look at it with totally different lenses And it's like, I think what happens a lot of time, because I think all of this is such a fear response and a lot of times a trauma response, it's like trauma tells us to shut down. It tells us to fight. It tells us to flight. It tells us to freeze. Do you know what the other thing it tells us to do is? You might fall out of your chair. Fawn, F-A-W-N, which means please other people. So when we're getting really scared, one of our reactions is to go please other people. Isn't that amazing? Uh, You should go read about this. I'm obsessed with it currently because I actually think it's at the root of people being addicted to dieting. Uh Is that we people please, we people please. So we get these promises. We're so desperate. We're in this like fear-based trauma state. These diets are selling us something and our response is just to please them. And I think it's why people go with these, there are these coaches, these weight loss coaches that say to people things like, you know, you're the problem. It's not the diet. And the fawn response is like, I am the problem. Thank you. Thank you for even taking me on as a client, right? Like, and we just get so sick in these loops. And I think the only way to solve for it, it's not just in the mind. It's like, it's in the action, it's in the body. And I actually don't mean it like, I love me like a hardcore Pilates class, but I'm not actually talking about that. I mean, it's just like starting to get to know this body and moving it and using it and just starting to think about it so differently. That's the healing of trauma actually doesn't happen in the mind, which is for a therapist like me, a sad moment, you know, when I have to say, hey, we're not solving this in your mind. It's actually solved in your body and in your nervous system. And I don't mean to be a broken record here, but, you know, meditation solves for all of this because it rewires your neuropathways teaches you how to calm down breath is it's like these you and I love therapy Mm -hmm. and I love to pay for a therapy session but so many of the things cost no money yeah (laughs) teaching yourself how to breathe learning how to sit quietly like moving your body physically like I mean, it costs no money and it's really what starts to get you to know yourself when we're sitting on the screen waiting for it to tell us if we're valuable or not it's just never going to work. It's such a good con though. Cause don't you, do you ever do that? I feel like you're way healthier than me. I go on that screen and in the midst of it, while my scrolling, I'm like, I think you're looking for something that doesn't exist on Instagram right now, Mal, you know? Yeah. And or, I'm able to move myself from it. No, like distracting myself. <sighs> like, yeah, that's my number one. And distracting can be so draining. Yes. It never makes you feel better. Never. Ever. Like you never ever find what you think you're looking for. Okay. But then here's to answer your question in the long form that's where self-compassion comes in. Mm-hmm. So like, instead of scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and then we have this moment where we're like, oh my God, I'm doing it again. Mostly people will turn on themselves in that moment and say, oh, how could you do that? You're never going to get better. See that? It's like, what if in that moment, and Pema Chodron, who's also a wonderful Buddhist who, I mean, she's just so great. Her word is soften. Like, what if in that moment, instead of turning on yourself, right, with that bat, and slapping yourself around and trying to hustle yourself better. What if in that moment you just soften? You take a breath and you soften. What they say about the reason that we're really unwilling to accept what's happening in those moments is that we're usually avoiding deep grief. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, like when I really got well, I mean, I had to grieve how I treated myself. Like the biggest offender of my list of hate was my self-hate. It's like, that takes self-forgiveness 
forgiveness, right? So we're ever really going to be able to listen to ourselves, like the healings inside, like, I don't know what else to say about it, but I imagine if you're listening and this is resonating with you, you've probably tried all the other externals and don't get me wrong. There is like a $2,000 guilt.com box coming to my house that I'm pretty sure might solve all my problems, but I'm sure as I'm trying on all the clothes, I'm going to be like, you did it again. But in the most gentle, loving way, like what if we, like, I think I'm just going to try to like giggle at it. I'm like, oh, there you go. Okay. Come back to yourself. Come back to yourself again. Like this is home. We're home. And if we continue to ignore this whisper inside that says, move to Texas, right? That says, Molly, get out of this relation. Like, this isn't good for you. This is cancerous. That's what my voice said. The other thing Julia Cameron says in that book is that you journal for three pages every morning. Oh, morning pages. Best. I love that. I I don't do it as regularly as I did. Yeah. But I need to. I was thinking about how I want to get back to it. Isn't it it like the most amazing practice? It is. I would wake up before I'm even... How like, crazy is yours? Mine's like uh, off the off the it's chart. Things that also I would I didn't even realize were in the back of my mind. I'm like I haven't actually thought about even like yep. that person like consciously. Yep. And all of a sudden it's out there. And I'm like oh. And it, honestly, it helped me a lot when I really couldn't like identify the emotions that I was feeling. Oh, I love that. It helped me a lot to figure out even like kind of reasonings behind it. Like not only just the emotion that I was feeling, but also why I was feeling that. Or it would bring things to mind that. We're just, to me, I blacked it out. Yeah, listen, I was I was uh, left out and bullied as a kid. So mm-hmm. for those of you listening who don't know what we're talking about, I want to include you in our conversation to tell you that morning pages is when you first thing in the morning or be forgiving, not first thing in the morning, you take three pages of a journal and you just free write. Mine a lot is like, I want coffee now. I wish these pages were over. But sometimes, yeah. man, something comes. And I think the other thing is, for me, I commit to leave my crazy on the page there. Like I just, it just unlocks me to be my best self in the day. But I love that. Yeah, so many things come up. I'm like, and that's what came out. Yep. This relationship is cancer. I was like, oh man, I cannot unsee that. And then it was like that grow or die moment. What are you going to do now? And I'd like to say it took three months to do the thing. Yeah. Forgiveness, 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 yeah. forgiveness, compassion, compassion, compassion. What a much different life I live when I live in this space. It's just softening. That's really the word. It's softening. Wow. I love this. I mean, I could talk to you all day. Well, thank God we have another hour. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. (laughs) But where can they find you? Thank you so much for coming on the show. Great time. Um, Books, everything. So I think mollycarmel.com is going to be like the quickest and easiest place. Like I do group coaching once a month. I have my intensati class that I do. It's really for free. It's really my service. You can come to that. Instagram, Molly Carmel. I have this like secret Facebook group because I'm a hundred years old. But about break you too. Yeah. That makes me feel so much better yeah. about myself. Thank you. <laughs> I have this great Facebook group called Breaking Up with Sugar for people who are struggling with that. My book is called Breaking Up with Sugar. I'm writing my second book right now called Divorcing Dieting. You know, and what you're craving, my podcast, which is like one of the great loves of my life, where we just really try to get to the bottom. Like I'm so tired of talking about food and eating disorders because that's not what's wrong. It's -hmm. what's underneath that, that we really want to access. Like basically the entire conversation we've had today. Wow. Thank you so much. I had the best time. Thank you so much. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I, you know, adore Molly. I think she is the greatest human to ever, ever walk this earth. Be sure to go check out the episode we recorded for her show, which again is also with Dear Media. How exciting. But Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, TikTok. You guys can always watch the shows visually on YouTube. Um, Yeah, hope you guys enjoyed. 
Check out the Breadwinning Housewife merch. Of course, that's really incredibly important. I love you guys so much. And I will talk to you next Thursday. <laughs>